Please remain standing as you're able for this word from the prophet Micah. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. You may have heard the story about the eight-year-old girl who, one day after school, asked her mother, Mom, where did I come from? Well, her mother swallowed hard and knew Dad wasn't going to be home for a few hours, so she was going to have to handle this one alone. She worked through it carefully and slowly and began to explain to her eight-year-old daughter the ways of the birds and the bees and began to explain to her about how nature works. And her daughter didn't seem to be taking it in very well. She looked confused and mother finished her lengthy and careful explanation and finally her daughter with a quizzical look said to her mother, I always thought we came from Ohio. Sometimes we get more information than we wanted. Sometimes we don't exactly get the information we're looking for. Uh, our family uh, came from Germany uh, over to the States. Our, our name originally was Machnitsche, and so for a while we wondered if we might be related to the German uh, philosopher uh, Nietzsche from the previous century. We thought that would be wonderfully ironic if the atheist philosopher who proclaimed God is dead had somehow given rise to someone like me. But we didn't get very far with that. But there was a more promising route. Uh, every once in a while I go and conduct uh, worship services at a, in a retirement center. And there was a woman there who said to me one day, said, you know, you have a very interesting name, and um, asked me if my family had uh, come from Denton County. And I said, well, yeah, my, my dad was born in Denton and, and raised there. And she said, well, I have the history of Denton County, written years and years ago. She said, I'm going to bring it next time you come, and, and we can see uh, your family, because I think they're mentioned in there. So I said, well, sure. So next time I was there, I finished the worship service, and she went and got the book and brought it out, and she said, I think this must be one of your relatives. And he's listed among the men who went out from this county to fight in World War I. I was pretty excited about that because, you know, I, I know it hadn't reached the history books, but I'm sure that my grandfather was probably the World War I predecessor to Audie Murphy in, in World War II. The word just hadn't gotten out. So I said, well, yes, tell me more. So he said, well, it says what each of them did. And so we got down to uh, my grandfather's name, and it turned out that with the company of men that went forth from Denton County, he was the chef. Well, that wasn't exactly the information I was looking for. You know, for a moment I thought about, well, there's a story you may know of Doris Miller. Dory Miller, who was uh, worked in the mess hall on, uh, on the USS West Virginia. And in Pearl Harbor, you'll remember, he came out and took one of the anti-aircraft guns and went after the, the Japanese airplanes. And then later, with another man, rescued many people in the West Virginia and took them to safety. But on further digging in the book, there were no stories like that about my grandfather. I had a lot of information, but it wasn't what I was looking for. You know, sometimes, sometimes we can almost know too much. I, I remember sitting in a room when the role was called years and years ago, and the teacher had been teaching for years at the school, and as he's calling the role, he calls the girl's name, and she says that she's present. It's the first day of school, and he said, Are you related to? And he read someone's name, and she said, Yes, that's my father. Teacher didn't say anything. Said, and are you also related to and named someone? And she said, yes, that's my brother. Well, it was, it, in this town, it was well known that her father and brother had been arrested for smuggling illegal drugs. 
And so at this point, the teacher took off his reading glasses, looked up at her and said, well, I hope you're not like them. And class continued. Sometimes we can really know too much. But most of the time, I find that I don't really know enough about a name. And and I'd like to know more. This summer, we were on the Arizona Memorial at at Pearl Harbor. And you don't get very long on the Arizona, but you see uh, a list of names. And and I wondered about those names. I wondered about where they came from, who they left behind, what didn't happen but they had hoped would happen in their life. There was so much more. I wanted to know, but there was only a name. There was no more information. You may have seen that they put up um, towers where the World Trade Center uh, stood, uh, 9-11 towers. And, and on these towers that went up, they have on, on uh, uh, listed in one area, the, everybody that worked on a construction crew for this put their name on it. On another part of the tower, they had the list of the names of many of the victims. And then on a third part, they had a list of a lot of the people from the fire department of New York and the police department who helped in the rescue. And I thought, that'd be an interesting group to know more about their names. Now, of course, with movies like World Trade Center, you know, Flight 93, we've learned, and on the evening news, human interest stories, we've learned a bit about some of the people involved in the World Trade Center. But I think, you know, on the whole, most of us would probably benefit by knowing more. You know, sometimes we we know more than we want to know, and other times we don't know know enough. And I say that because I want to give you a name this morning. And when I give you this name, I think your immediate reaction is going to be, I know enough about that name. I already have more than enough information. But I'm going to suggest to you that you don't have enough information yet on that name. Here's the name. Try me out. The name is Bethlehem. The name is Bethlehem. You may think, well, I've been singing about that for 50 years. I know more than enough about Bethlehem. Well, maybe we don't. If you'll humor me for a few moments, I want to walk through what's in this name as it may have appeared to someone who lived 750 years before Jesus. When Micah mentioned the name Bethlehem, what kind of information did they have about this name? Well, since they were Hebrew and obviously understood and spoke Hebrew, right away they would know that the word Bethlehem means house of bread, or what we might say, bakery. So obviously there was some grain and there's some bread that came from Bethlehem. They probably would have known about Bethlehem's recent past. Some 250 years earlier in the same area, a young boy named David watched over uh, flocks of sheep in the area. And he would go on in a few years to become their greatest military uh, warrior and king. But if they knew their history really well, they would know that way back before David, there were some other famous people that came to Bethlehem. Their names were Ruth and Naomi. Ruth was a woman not from Bethlehem at all. She was a Moabite, wasn't even a Jew, wasn't a Hebrew, but she had married into the Hebrews by marrying Naomi's son. Unfortunately, Naomi had a couple sons. They both died. And they were there in Moab, Moab. so Naomi called her her daughters-in-law together and said, Look, uh, my sons have died. They can't provide for you. You have no children. I can't provide for you. Look, I'm going home. Maybe I can survive. And you stay here. Maybe you can marry again. Maybe you can find a future here. And one of the daughters-in-law said, Well, that that works for me. But Ruth said, No, no. I'm going to go with you. And your people are going to be my people. And your God, said Ruth, is going to be my God. And Ruth made a journey to a place she had never been. 
And she had no prospect to get married, no prospect of a job, no food. Naomi didn't even know how she would eat without any children alive. But Ruth went with her. Ruth went back to the town of Bethlehem and there was a guy named Boaz who was a distant relative of uh, Naomi's group. And though Boaz needed not another mouth to feed, he went ahead and out of the goodness of his heart married Ruth and brought her into the family. And they had a child who had a child who had a child who had a child and that child's name was David, the king. If you knew your history, you might know that. If you knew your history really, really well, you would know that way back before Ruth and Boaz, there was a guy named Jacob. And Jacob fell in love with a woman named Rachel who was really something. He was so, she was so beautiful outside and inside that Jacob made a deal with her father and said, I'll be your slave for seven years if I can marry her at the end of the seven years. Father said, that, that's a deal. So he worked seven years, and the Bible said he loved her so much it just went by like a day. Like a day. That's how special she was and their love was. But when the time came to be married, he found out that he wasn't marrying her. He was marrying her older sister, Leah. Leah wasn't as winsome. In fact, Leah probably wasn't very attractive at all because she was still eligible. Nobody had shown interest in Leah But the father said to Jacob, I don't know where you're from, but around here, the oldest kid gets married first. And so he made a deal with Laban, Rachel and Leah's dad, that he would work another another seven years if he could only marry Rachel as they had originally agreed. And so Leah was married to Jacob, and Jacob didn't love her. Jacob loved Rachel. But in this relationship not characterized by the kind of love and passion that Rachel and Jacob had for one another, came four children. And the youngest of the four sons was a guy named Judah. And Judah became the ancestor of everyone who lived in Bethlehem, including Boaz and later David and much later someone else. If you knew your history really well, you might know that. At that time. But if you knew the current events really well, you knew obviously that the present situation of Bethlehem was nothing. It was just a wide place on a road. It was only seven miles from Jerusalem, but it could hardly be considered a suburb. If it were in Texas, they wouldn't even have enough guys to field a six man high school football team. There'd be nobody lying in the streets honking for them because they didn't get anything done in Bethlehem. Just a wide place in the middle of the road. Nothing ever happened there. A little grain, a few flocks. But interestingly, interestingly, Micah didn't talk about the past. And he didn't talk about the present. He talked about the future. And he said, from this wide place in the road, it's going to come a ruler. It's going to come the one that we have all been waiting for. Or put another way, he said, from this town, this bakeryville, will come a man who will claim to be the bread of life. From this area where our forefather David chased around a few sheep will come a man who will indeed be the Lamb of God. Now here's what I want to do, just for a moment. I want to pass on to you three observations I get from learning a lot more about the name Bethlehem. Let me pass these on to you. First one is this. Though you may feel unloved and underappreciated in this, in this present moment, It does not mean that you are not loved and you are not valued in the eyes of God. Leah could not 
have been happy or pleased to know that her husband probably didn't love her. If he loved her, he certainly loved her sister a lot more. Have you ever been in a relationship where you felt like you weren't loved in the way that you were giving love in that relationship? She couldn't have felt appreciated. And yet, out of that relationship where she wasn't particularly valued or cared for, came a son who would give a son who would give a son and generations later would come the ruler, the king of the universe. Wherever you are at the moment, if you don't feel loved, that's not true. You are loved. If you feel alone, that's not true. You're not alone. Someone knows and someone cares. And the good news is this is the one who holds the future in the palm of his very hand. Second lesson I learned is this, that our past faithfulness even in the smallest and most insignificant of situations, can be rewarded greatly in the future. This is the key that Audrey was telling the children about. Sometimes the key seems small. Sometimes our acts don't seem very significant in the big scheme of things. And yet they are. The world didn't shake when Boaz made a sacrifice and married Ruth. Nobody wrote about it in the local papers. News didn't make it as far as Nineveh and Assyria. And yet this act of faithfulness would turn the entire created order on its head. The smallest act of faithfulness in our day, even if it doesn't seem to be known or appreciated by anybody, might very well be very significant. Very few people knew the courage and the grace of Joseph, the husband of Mary, who when he found out his engaged had become pregnant out of wedlock, decided not to disgrace her publicly or do worse to her, which he could have done. But rather, buying into a dream, he dealt with her in grace. That sort of faithfulness made a difference in the days and weeks and months ahead. And then finally, I learned this lesson, that there is absolutely... In God's economy, in God's plan and way of doing things, no correlation between your present significance and your future and eternal significance. They just don't match up. You look at Bethlehem and they would tell you it's a wide place in the road and nothing ever happens here. And yet, something in fact did happen there. You might work in a job where it seems that you make no difference. Hang around with people who don't seem to value that you're around. You might find yourself insignificant. That is not how you will always be. In God's plan and economy, there's no relation between your present circumstance and the plans for good that God has for you. Many wonderful things come from wide places in the road. The late John Claypool uh, talked about his family, and way back in the family history, they generations upon generations were from Kentucky. They lived in a very rural area of Kentucky and nothing, nothing ever came from there. Nothing really happened there. And the people there knew it, but but they lived there and they made the best life they could make. Now one of the exciting things that would happen is every once in a while the mail carrier, the postmaster, would pass through that part of rural Kentucky. Not only bringing mail, but more importantly bringing news of kind of the outside world and what was going on in the uh, these new United States of America. So one day in 1809, in 1809, the mail carrier came through and a man met him in the kind of the center of this wide place in the road. And the man said, what is new in the world? Tell us what's happening. 
And he said, well, it looks like that there's still trouble with England, and who knows, there may be a conflict again in the future. And we're beginning, it looks like, a central banking system, and, and who knows what effect that will have on us. And he began to tell them of other news of the day, and then the mail carrier stopped and said, now you tell me, what's going on here? What's happening here? I'd like to know. And the guy said, here? He said, you pass here, you pass through here often enough to know this is the backwoods of the planet. Nothing ever happens here. Nothing of importance. Nothing of significance. No one even knows we're here, and, and no one should really care. Nothing happens at here. And the mail carrier said, really, nothing has happened at all. And he said, well, yeah, there was one thing. Last night, Mary Hanks and Tom Lincoln had a baby boy. They would name him Abraham. And he would move from Kentucky to Indiana to Illinois to the White House. And from that wide place in the road, things would happen. And if they say, the rest is history. And yet, if you come 750 years after Micah and you talk to someone in Bethlehem and say, what's happening? And they say, nothing ever happens here. A little bread. There's a few sheep. Oh, we've had some tourists recently because of the census that, that uh, Augustus Caesar's required. But nothing really happened. Well, there was, out in a cave near town, there was this baby born to somebody, Joseph and Mary. Nothing really happens here of significance. And yet, as they say, the rest is his story. And when you and I get bound up in his story, when we walk with him in his story, our past and our present are small matters compared to the amazing and eternal future that he spreads out before us.